in the first reading today from the ninth chapter of Genesis. After months stuck in the ark with an inability to bathe, surrounded by the stench of barnyard animals in their mess, Noah has finally been able to get out of that boat and step into the mud, the first dry ground seen on the planet for months after the 40 days flood. God has promised him he'll never do that again. But the real question is, why did he do it the first time? This is only the ninth chapter of Genesis. Chapter 2, God had created everything out of nothing. He gave all of it to man, made in his image and likeness. Adam and Eve broke the one rule. They ate from the fruit of the tree. They're kicked out of the garden. They had done so because they believed the lies of the slithering serpent. And then everyone else that came after them started to believe those same lies, give in to the same temptations, and in so doing, ruined everything for everyone. And all of a sudden, all humanity had gone down that slippery slope of sin. So much so that by Genesis chapter 6, God already regrets creating humanity, and he doesn't necessarily want to wipe them away or wipe them out, but he wants to wipe the world clean of sin and sinners. And that's why of all the people on the earth, only Noah and seven other people are going to be allowed in that boat. Noah's told to build a huge boat far from water, and people mocked him for it. He didn't need to bring the boat to the water. Noah trusted God. The water was coming to the boat. And sure enough, torrential flooding rains for 40 days until there wasn't a spot of dry ground anywhere on that earth. And even after the 40 days were over, it's not as if the next day all of a sudden there was dry ground. It took months, months of that ship just waiting, looking anywhere for dry ground. And once they find it, God makes a covenant with Noah, the first covenant that God makes with his people. What's a covenant? We think of contracts. We sign contracts all the time to lease a car, to buy a car, to rent an apartment, to get a mortgage on a house, to get a new job. Those are agreements between people. They have terms of expiration. Or you can simply break it, put it in the shredder. Contracts are made between two parties, two humans. Covenants are made by God with his people. And there is no expiration date. When God makes a covenant, he's making a promise that will abide for the ages. And that was the promise he was making to Noah. That never again will God solve the problem of sin by wiping people out. Instead, he would just continue to wipe the sin away. And there'd be plenty of sins to wipe away this very beginning of the Old Testament. And one of the reasons why the Old Testament is so much longer than the New is because Israel was on this repetitive cycle, lather, rinse, and repeat. God would give them a new covenant, always reinforcing the same covenant he makes now with Noah and later through Abraham, and yet they would just continue to sin against him, to worship false gods, to have pagan idols. But God never canceled. God never divorced them. God kept renewing his covenant. God kept bringing them back to their land. God kept sending prophets to prepare them for the coming of his son who would right all wrongs. And it was all about the water. How perfect that we have the catechumens preparing for baptism here with us at this Mass today because Noah's flood was a baptism for the world. And St. Peter in the second reading said it was a prefiguration of the sacrament of baptism, which we have received and to which we are called and from which we receive the promise of heaven. Same waters, different purpose. Noah's flood washed away sinners. The waters of baptism in the hands of Jesus and the church wash sin away from sinners. We prefer that one. 
because it gives us a chance not only to survive here on earth, but to live eternally with God in heaven. But let's talk about the 40 days. 40 days in the scriptures always represent a time of testing and preparation. The 40 days of rain were certainly a time of testing for the world and preparation for a new creation. And now we have Jesus 40 days in the desert, lined up perfectly with our entrance into the 40 days of Lent. In the gospel today, we're at the very start of Mark. Mark's the shortest gospel. He doesn't go into great detail. He says nothing about Jesus' birth, nothing about the first 30 years of his life. The beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus at 30 years old is ready for his baptism in the Jordan. And then he's going to begin the thousand days of his ministry before his passion and death. At the very beginning of the chapter, we haven't heard it today, is the baptism of the Lord, where Jesus steps into the waters of the Jordan. His older cousin, John the Baptist, performs the ritual. The Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, and a voice comes from the heavens, God himself speaking, this is the one that you've been waiting for and hoping for and praying for. In that one moment, God was confirming that all those prophecies of a thousand years have been fulfilled in the person of Jesus a promise made, a promise kept. The same spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, then drives Jesus out into the desert, Mark tells us. And for what purpose? He told us that too, to be tempted. He's like us in all things but sin. But up until this point in eternity, Jesus has been fully divine. Now that he's entered into the flesh, he's driven out into the desert to more fully identify with our temptations, with our human weakness, because he feels what we feel, hunger, thirst, sadness, sickness. He's going out there to find out what it's like to be us. But he's also going out there to put the devil on notice, that same slithering serpent to put everyone on that slippery slope to sinfulness. He's now to tell him, You've met your match. Your days are numbered. The conquering hero has come from heaven to earth to bring light to those in darkness, to show us the light at the end of the tunnel that will lead us to heaven, to happiness, and to the Father's house. Jesus was not abandoned there. Mark tells us he was ministered to by angels. Perhaps that's what sustained him for those 40 days as he ate and drank nothing. No matter what we give up during Lent, it will not be that intense. But we also have not been abandoned. The Lord is sending angels to minister to us as well. That through our prayer, fasting, almsgiving, penance, service, sacrifice, and self-denial, we too might put the devil on notice and say, you've met your match because Jesus has already won the war. I will fight this battle. I will wage this battle against those things that most tempt me to turn away from God, which sinners have been doing since God created them in the first place. Hopefully this Lent, during these 40 days, in this desert, as we seek the oasis of heaven and happiness, we will figure it out. What matters more? What matters most? And perhaps what doesn't matter that much at all? And yet I spend so much time being distracted by it and diverting my attention to it and taking my eyes off the cross that is the key that will unlock for us heaven's happiness. And so, my friends, we want to be a support to one another as we're out in the desert this Lent. Let's not let it be just another season, just another day. Let us instead realize the price that Jesus has paid for us to get to heaven and be more ambitious in search of it. And as I mentioned, today we have the rite of sending. I'm going to invite the director of the rite of Christian initiation for a 